Hello everyone. Welcome to Ishi TV. I'm Ekta Kapoor. Today I'll be speaking to one of India's most successful corporate leaders, also called Girl with the Broken Neck, Radhika Gupta. Hi Radhika, welcome to Ishi TV. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, it's uh, really nice to be here. Thank you for having me. So for those of our very few viewers and listeners who don't know about Radhika, she's the MD and CEO of Edelweiss Asset Management. She's one of the youngest CEOs in India's financial services sector, and besides her success in the corporate world, she's also an inspiration and role model for a whole generation of young women and men. Her talk called Girl with the Broken Neck went viral on the internet, and she's now written a book titled Limitless: The Power of Unlocking Your True Potential. So I really love this book and I've got copies to send to both my daughters. Um this is not just a biography of her life, uh but it's also full of real practical and advice and tips and motivation for anyone who's seeking to grow not just in their career but I would also say in their life. Um so Radhika, uh you know you've shared your personal story in this book. uh what what would you say has been the most important growth phase uh, in your life and can you tell us a little about it that's a uh, that that's a hard question ekta the most important growth phase i think is as i say in the book uh, i think we're all work in progress we are all constantly work in progress um mm-hmm. and but i do believe i i do believe that the 20s and 30s in your career i think that phase after sort of graduating from college um and yeah. uh, you know discovering your early career figuring out what you want to do going through your first bout of rejection navigating the workplace it's an important phase um yeah. which is why uh, i chose to focus on that phase because i mean i learned and i have learned a lot in that you know 22 to 35 sort of phase um yeah. so i think it's an extraordinary phase you are at uh in some sense the peak of your energy the peak of your potential um yeah. and you know you're not cynical about the world um and uh, yet you're making mistakes so i think it's a it's a phenomenal phase yeah that's right and you also at that phase of your life you also went through a lot of major changes you moved countries uh, you know you started your own business and everything so it was quite a remarkable uh, phase uh, for you uh, you've also uh, talked in this book about your husband your parents your former bosses your colleagues uh, was it was it difficult to write about uh, you know people who are your acquaintances and did it get awkward for you at times you're sharing you know your journey uh, with them you're sharing their stories in fact so if no one's asked me this question but you know so i'm i'm reflecting on it as you ask me i think i have used a lot of stories of people close to me uh you know when i've been speaking um and sometimes without their permission and uh, you know of course in a, in a way that is positive uh in a way where you can take away something from them um and i think there is resonance with that those stories i remember years ago i had done a talk that talked about stories about my mother um uh, because mm. someone had once asked me that you know uh what do you learn from your mom and i had done this talk about mom's lessons being the mba academy um and there was so much resonance uh around that talk and everyone sort of connected it with the story of their mom and what uh, she had taught um and i think my learning is that you know while 
we are inspired by stories of great leaders that we have never met both for me and for people around all of us who anyone there are great stories and lessons in our homes um mm. and so that that's that's a philosophy that's been very close to me for the last uh couple of years and i've been using it in talks and so i said why not the book um so yes uh it it wasn't awkward sometimes i had to think of how to say things uh the right way uh I, you know i of course spoke to a lot of people for permissions um but everyone was very kind to let me share uh, the stories that they did um so it was not awkward but i definitely had to think through how to share these stories and these sensitive and delicate stories uh in the right way yeah yeah correct so uh, uh also coming to the fact that you're right now at a high point in your life and uh, uh you're still relatively young there's still a long way to go so why did you decide to write this book at this point what was the inspiration behind it i'd say it's some combination uh, of chance uh covid uh, and challenging my own beliefs um, <laughs> okay at some and you know it's perhaps appropriate that it's called limitless in that sense um i think a book was always something i wanted to do uh what like many people i believed that it's something that you do much later in your life um you know when you have great hair when you retire yeah. <laughs> etc it's just a standard thing um and then covid happened um and i had time you know uh because mm-hmm. i was not traveling i usually travel 3 days a week domestically mm-hmm. and often on weekends so now i was mm-hmm. sitting at home i was not traveling at all um and then hatchet came to me in this conversation happened and i said no this is a bad idea mm-hmm. and my, you know the question you asked me is a good one because um as i said i felt you know what do you have to say at this age um what they told me i think really resonated with me which is that we're not static people right we have a voice and that voice evolves um and there is a voice at 40 and that voice perhaps can talk about your experiences over the last 15 years very closely there is a voice at 60 uh and there are different versions of us and different perspectives of us so break that i mean speaking of limitless and limitations break that limitation also uh that is in your own head um and so this is my perspective over journey um over the last 15 years you know and I, and as i see in the introduction i may write something else 15 years later and just rubbish everything else i've said because people grow and people change yeah absolutely in fact that makes me look forward to you know what next you're going to write 15 years or maybe a few years oh, that's a long way that's a yeah. long time <laughs> yeah did did writing this book change things for you um i you know uh i enjoyed it i have to say mm-hmm. uh writing is harder than uh i i've always been someone who likes writing and the other thing i'm very clear about is when i do the book um you know i will all the lines all the words everything will be me um you know um so i think i realized it's harder than even i thought it would be um i think that was uh, curating all the content uh, was hard and i think clarifying the beautiful thing about writing is uh, it gives you the ability to clarify your thoughts and then when someone reads your mumbo jumbo thoughts uh, you realize actually it's clear in my head but it's not clear on paper um so i think it exposed me to that uh, process and it was very clarifying but you know I always say that everybody should write. I you know you don't have to write a book but you can write an article you can write on social media. I think everybody should write. Mm-hmm. 
there are some in fact amazing lessons in uh, leadership and management uh, in this book but if you had to share the top two tips uh, for success for us what would they be i if you had to ask me my single favorite chapter it mm. it would probably be the last one um, yeah. and that's finding self confidence uh, yeah. because i think that's at the crux of so many things right it's at the mm-hmm. crux of success it's at the crux mm. of happiness so mm-hmm. uh, if you had to ask me my uh, personal favorite one mm-hmm. uh, that would be one uh, yeah. the other one where the stories are a personal favorite is the whole chapter on accepting change um yeah. a lot of the other themes you see covered in books change is a topic that's very close to me because of the background i came from uh the fact that we grew up across multiple countries um mm. and chapter 4 has stories of my parents my growing up um mm. so in that sense that's very close to my heart so mm. i think uh, the bit about finding self confidence uh and the bit about changing uh adapting um and as i say not comparing yourself to other people yeah 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 coming to your talk uh, that went viral uh, you mentioned in the book uh, that this was the second time that you actually gave this talk uh, you had g- given this talk earlier and uh, then you learned from it how to improve yourself and then you uh, the, the second time it it really took off and um, yeah. but tell me you know why did you choose to title yeah. it uh, girl with the broken neck when we all know there's so much more to you than that you know and i have got it the mixed reactions when the title released also and even now if you go to the youtube comments uh again i think this is the first time i'm answering this question there are some people who say oh you know she is the ceo of a then 20000 this 80000 crore company why did she have to reduce it to that um the talk came uh, i i talked about captain raghuraman in the book um the title was we were exploring title options uh and this was one that came from him I think my brother used to call me the kid with a broken neck. So I think many good things in life also come from my <laughs> brother. In fact, credit. Um, and he said, you know, I think this kind of works. I said, you know, he used to call me that, and we were debating, and we felt it was raw, and we felt it was uh, simple. Uh, I think uh, we were also, you know, even debating the fact that it was girl or woman. Um, yeah. And one of the things I wanted to put out there is. and i talk about it in limitless also is the discomfort you have with your looks especially when you're growing up which is why we use the word uh, girl uh, not woman so i think that was it uh, it was organic it was raw um and uh, you know i hoped and i think because of that title um a lot of people write back to me as i said in the book with issues that they've had especially physical issues etc etc uh mm-hmm. so perhaps the hope was that we could give people uh the confidence to face those kind of issues yeah yeah in fact that's a very important uh, part that's a, the whole chapter that you've addressed uh, in the yeah. book about coming to terms with your so called flaws and imperfections uh, and really owning them and really uh, you know moving forward with them so i think that's a very that's a very valid point and um you know now now that you've had experience in um, the corporate sector for so many years um do you think companies that have more diversity at the you know uh, at especially at the top leadership levels do they perform better as well i mean not just in terms of gender but also in terms of race disability sexual orientation and so on 
people have to at some level and i'm so glad ekta you said diversity is not just gender one um you know because it really isn't um uh, i think and companies you know diversity is an agenda i always believe will flourish when you think it is more than a social cause when corporates start believing that diversity actually adds a economic value it helps the bottom line right when you are catering to i'm in a consumer business um when you're catering to a consumer base that is diverse that has yeah. men women young people older people transgender everything then yeah. the design if it has to be effective the marketing if it has to be effective the thinking mm. if it has to be effective has to be diverse so i don't see how diversity will not contribute to the bottom line there's a uh, you know old uh, puzzle or game that you may remember from childhood many versions of it that uh, if there are three people who three men paint the wall in x many hours how long will it take four men to paint the same wall i don't think it works like that you know people are not homogenous i mean you don't want people to paint the wall in identical time in identical hours you want different colors on that wall and you, you know want you want different perspectives so uh, i genuinely believe that uh, um, one diversity will succeed when we understand the bottom line contribution of diversity and secondly for catering to a consumer base that's diverse i mean you look at the recent example and you know i also represent the cap- capital markets i think regardless of what you think of the valuations of a company like nike when it listed it showed you the potential of the women consumer now someone clearly looked at that potential and found that potential right um mm-hmm. and, and that someone happened to be a woman founder that's just one example yeah yeah but we're talking about you know women leading companies uh, at present women still make up a very small percentage of uh, employees in the organized sector and and we know there are many reasons for this there are social restrictions there's lack of education and opportunity lack of infrastructure lack of facilities so there are various reasons for this and many people have suggested that having more women in the leadership position uh, w- would help you know but but from your experience does it really i mean does it help if you have women leaders does that help having more women in the ranks as well i think yes um i i think sheryl sandberg's talked about this um others have talked about it i think it does for two reasons one is that you have more role models within uh, an organization so right. you know a, a woman leader was just a woman who's just uh, joining the organization then sees that uh, you know you can have more women uh, and that i can make it to the top uh, i think the indian banking industry has been a big beneficiary of this which is why financial services in some way has been sort of at the forefront of women's leadership because we've had so many women there um i know in my own organization now 30% or 25% of our leadership team is women there are lots of places where we have work to but in addition not many people know that in addition to a female ceo we also now have a women chief operating officer again first to okay. uh industry um the second reason i think it helps is policies so you know policies just tend to because you have one or two women at the top going through a certain set of experiences could be maternity i mean i'm doing this conversation in pregnancy my ceo had a baby suddenly policies tend to be a little more empathetic and thought through and they're more than paper policies right so lots of organizations have great paper policies but 
uh, you know, I think policies tend to be thought through and I think culture tends to be thought through. So when you have, and again, I come from capital markets um, where at least the mass media portrays it out to be very alpha male and very sort of dog eat dog. I think culture changes when you have uh, more women on the floor. Yeah, I, I also think, you know, a lot of people have talked about when women uh, are in leadership positions, men as well, uh, and everybody in the company feels more, uh, th there's more risk taking, uh, you know, behavior because people feel more comfortable taking risks. And in fact, that's a chapter in your book as well about taking risk. Uh, and, and many cases, the risk pays off and sometimes it doesn't as well. So uh, would you like to share about that aspect, that chapter that you've talked about risk taking and why it's important to take risks uh, early on in your career as well? Yeah, I, you know, and I think it's an interesting time to also have a conversation about risk taking because but perhaps living in an India that is opening up to taking risks. Um, I talk about this in the book also, but uh, you know, you're living in startup era, unicorn era, shark tank era, all of that stuff is happening. And yet yeah. you're also living in an era where um, people find it difficult to change a job from a big brand because, you know, they're worried about uh, what people will say. Uh, yeah. You know, people don't even want to work for an unknown manager. Uh, yeah. So you have both of these dichotomies. And I always feel that risk taking, the reason I wrote about this chapter, because I was like, what do I have new to add to this topic? Um, I think the reason I wrote about this chapter is people always think of risk as binary. It's like, you know, taking a risk means quitting your job and starting a company. And I don't think risk taking is binary. I think it is a spectrum. Um, and not everyone's actually built out to do a startup, but people can take risks in the context of a corporate career. People can take small, small risks. So um, I think that's why I wrote the chapter. And it's not unbridled. If I'm, again, you know, I'm in the markets profession. Our business is uh, to take sensible risks. Um, and so I think I talk about taking sensible risks. Yeah risks um, and addressing some of the issues that come with risk taking including challenges with family, uh, challenges with lifestyle, challenges with comparisons to people around you. I mean these are real issues. Yeah. In fact, uh, your whole, uh, your own experiences are about taking uh, a risk. You know, you left a corporate job in the US where you talked about buying your first Louis Vuitton bag and then you moved to That's India that. to be become an entrepreneur, starting from scratch and driving a little car, not taking a salary for a long time. Uh, so that was, that was a big risk and that was a choice you made. Uh, coming to the context of, uh, you know, being a woman entrepreneur and being a working woman, how would you compare your experiences, your challenges in the in, in India versus in the US? Okay, so, and you know, I, I've said this in the book, I don't love the question about challenges as a woman, um, mm. not because there aren't any, because I, but I don't want to obsess over it. Um, I am fully appreciative of the fact that I think any woman out there hasn't had it easy. It's, it's just not possible. Um, she has, she's been very kind. Um, I, if you ask me to compare in India and the US, I actually don't think there's that much of a difference. In fact, um, you know, I probably had a hard, the hardest stint in India because of my entrepreneurial days. Um, but I think Indian financial services, and maybe perhaps this is the industry I'm from, has actually been very welcoming to women. So I think the challenges are common, whether you are in India or the US. I haven't found India to be difficult. In fact, I found India to be easier. Okay. 
that's interesting that you say that because we have this impression of you know women have it easier in the us and the corporate world and they have more more rights more freedoms more personal uh, freedoms as well so it's interesting that you're you're saying that it, uh, as a financial services uh, the industry yeah, is more open. that we have more support systems here uh, you know and uh, as i said i'm in the family way and by the way i see everything with a tremendous position of privilege so i'm not denying that at all but i also think we have the benefit of more support systems uh, more security uh, to go through certain phases of our life um, yeah i think the environments are different i uh, you know uh, there are different challenges in both um, yeah. but i think in most industries if you're building a corporate career things have gotten very professionalized and as i said i probably repre- represent uh, the industry that's been at the forefront of women's leadership yeah that that's it's very inspiring for a lot of people in fact uh, in a lot of middle class families finance was at at one point it was not considered a career for women but in this generation it's very much so and it's considered a very good career for women as well for young girls uh, you've also talked in the book about your husband nalin's experience with uh, running the marathon and how he took it one kilometer at a time and uh, you know how it's important to have these incremental uh you know to to work with small targets you know with small set small goals and then uh, you also talked about one of your colleagues uh you know selling sips and starting with 20 mm-hmm. and cheering for every 21 uh you know uh, sales that they did uh, so can you tell us about how in your life uh, you felt that you've had these phases where you had a small uh, target but you went after it and then it ended up with a big win at the end in fact i think in in my entire career in life um i've never got things on a platter i've always built small um mm. you know and sometimes uh, i keep saying that i'm perennially in startup mode because even when i joined database mutual fund as ceo um mm. i joined a very small entity um and i joined a small entity uh, but with big dreams and mm. as a business head perhaps one of the things that is closest to my heart is the power of execution uh and the power of just getting things done and i i do believe that getting things done happens by just doing them incrementally um so many of the times and you know i think i i share this experience of how people who started businesses keep coming to talk to me and i tell them you know just go out there and start getting things done uh because the practical world will teach you a lot and you will get better and better not from theory and conversation but just from doing so um i truly believe that businesses are not built in a boardroom but in a battlefield when i i can't uh, this is something very very go out and just try and do yeah great that's that's great advice not just for uh, i think like i said not just for people in the boardroom but in life as well uh there are a lot of things that are on our minds we just don't do them because we don't have the confidence and you talked about applying to an ivy league college though you were told that the odds were you know not very good in your favor as an international student uh, you were not likely to get a, a merit scholarship but you did and you went uh, to an ivy league college so one shouldn't uh, not try something uh, simply because of the odds and just go for it so really there are a lot of uh, lessons to learn from you and from this book and uh, like i said i'm now really really looking forward to the next one and i wish you all the best for you're also entering a new 
journey in your life now you'll probably have different kinds of lessons to share with us next time maybe having a baby will uh, wipe out half <laughs> the things i say especially about execution and doing things in a small way or taking risks so yeah. maybe you live from a very different place. and not having <laughs> expectations from your kids <laughs> <laughs> that too. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe my yeah. kids uh, when they don't study will come to me with snippets of my book and say don't compare me to my classmate you said i can't do this right so absolutely uh, i don't know what i've yeah. set myself up for absolutely yeah parenting is i think a whole new kind of you know a whole right. new enterprise yeah absolutely yeah. so thank you so much for being here radhika thank you for your thoughts thank you for your time and i wish you all the best uh, with the book with the baby and with all all the new challenges that are going to be coming up in your life ahead uh, thank you so much thank you thank you so much ekta